Draymond Green. Meta World Peace. Draymond Green. Meta World Peace. Draymond Green. Meta World Peace. Triangle and two. Boxing one. We see a block from Green. Will throw Green. Perfect feed. Back to Green for the slam. What an outstanding highlight. With defense beginning out there. Every aspect of this was there. Look at all of the rotations. Draymond Green just hustling. Gets the block. On this episode of NBA Now and Then, The Greatest Comparisons, we compare two of the fiercest defenders to ever lock down opponents. Trying to score on him in his prime is like a lonely matador facing a raging bull. Their defensive styles as cerebral as they are physical. He changed his name the way that he changed opponents' shots. Their strength and agility led to dominance on the wing and in the paint. Thinking about challenging these two at the rim? Think again. We are proud to present to you Draymond Green and Meadow World Peace. I'm Uriah. I'm Maurice. I'm Lucas. And I'm Ben. And we are here to talk NBA now and then. So we're talking Draymond Green. We are talking about Meadow World Peace. Maurice, why are we comparing these two today? Both of them are known as versatile defenders. Both of them are known to be very intense. I'll put it like that on the basketball court. There's a lot of good similarities between the two of them. Lucas, what about you? I think there are few players in NBA history that makes defense an art. And these two definitely are on that list. Ben? I would say that they both guys can truly guard one through five. They're the kind of the glue to win a championship. Yeah, everything you guys just said, I can echo, but particularly Maurice, the whole intensity component of both of these players will always stand out to me and not always a negative thing. I think the the easiest thing to go to with highlights with these guys is the bad stuff that happened because of their passion for the game. But we're going to focus on a lot of the positive things that, that these two guys brought to the NBA. First quarter, background. Let's get started. We're going to be talking about Dre, a.k.a. Day Day, a.k.a. the Dancing Bear. Hmm. But before he got those nicknames, he was born Draymond Jamal Green on March 4th, 1990 in Saginaw, Michigan, to Mary Babers and Wallace Davis. His parents, unfortunately, divorced when he was an adolescent, and he grew up in a poor neighborhood in Saginaw inside a tiny three-bedroom home with his brothers and sisters. His junior year at his high school, he averaged 25 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, and three steals. That season, Draymond led Saginaw to a 26-1 record in the Class A state championship. During his senior season, he averaged 20 points, 13 boards, and two block shots. He led his team to a second consecutive state title. His number 32 jersey was retired later on at his high school. So let's go with Lucas first. What what stands out to you about Draymond uh, in his early years? I remember listening to a podcast, and I think it was the JJ Reddit podcast. And when Draymond was talking about his youth, he talked about how his favorite player was Shaq, and he wanted to dominate people physically, but he was too short. So his coach at the time really focused on him developing his skills as a guard So not only did he have the physical presence, because that's how he liked to play, and that's how I like to play. He also had the guard skills to back it up for his size. Ben, what about you? The the points, and it it does, kind of with what Lucas just said, it does make sense that 6'6", I imagine it was that in high school, is is big for high school. So he was able to, like, probably bully guys down there. Yeah, it's interesting because his offensive game is kind of like, he's not regressed, but he's, like, chosen to not utilize that as much obviously with his teammates so i would say that's that was something even going through his accolades that i noticed too i was like oh wow this dude like similar like pat beverly like these guys offensively i've always had the skills and so i see that kind of with the 25 points in high school is a lot yeah started early with him maurice what about you even in high school he averaged 13 rebounds per game which is really for a high school player that's really good and It equated to success everywhere Draymond's been, high school, college, professional. He's been a winner. 
in high school, 26 and one record. Pretty darn good. Well, that's a good grab with the being a winner going back to his teenage years. It's interesting. Let's now talk about Draymond's college career. A lot of people probably know that he attended Michigan State. The one thing I want to emphasize here, I'm going to play an audio clip of Draymond having this to say about his uh, eventual college coach, Tom Izzo. You know, he always say to me, Draymond, you've done so much for me. But the reality is, is he's done so much for me and 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 teaching me what what it was to work hard. Like I didn't, I got to Michigan State, I didn't have a clue of what working hard was. You know, <laughs> like teaching me how to carry myself, holding me accountable, right. teaching me further understanding my my understanding of the game of basketball. So there's Draymond just opening up, being honest about his transition from high school to college. So I'll give you some some quick numbers related to his college career. So as a Spartan, his freshman year, Draymond was 6'7", didn't play much. He only averaged, get this, three points, three rebounds. But his next season, it had a big jump. He went from that, those minuscule numbers, to 10 points, close to eight rebounds and three assists. That season, he won the sixth man of the year for the Big Ten. Eventually, he would help lead Michigan State to the Final Four his junior year and to the Sweet 16 his senior year. All right, I got an over-under for you guys. How many triple-doubles did Draymond record in his college career? I'll give you four over-under. Maurice? Under. I'm going to say under, too. I'm going to say over. And the answer is under. He had had three. According to Spartans Wire, he is the only college player to ever – record two triple doubles in the NCAA tournament. Mm. Yeah, crazy, right? Draymond started 27 games as a junior and recorded a pair of triple doubles, just mentioned, including 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists in the first round of the NCAA tournament, which was a loss to UCLA. As a senior, Green averaged 16 points, 11 rebounds, and close to four assists, and he won the Big Ten Player of the Year. He had another triple-double in the NCAA tournament his final year at Michigan State. To finish things off his college career, Draymond grabbed 1,094 rebounds, the most in Michigan State history. He entered the 2012 NBA draft, being drafted by the Golden State Warriors. With the 35th pick in the 2012 NBA Draft, the Golden State Warriors select Draymond Green from Michigan State University. Big dancing bear from Sparty, Big Ten Player of the Year. He's a versatile inside-out forward that just knows how to play. Uh, He's a high-volume rebounder. In fact, he's Michigan State's all-time leading rebounder. You can put him down in the post. He's an excellent passer out of there. Uh, He's a pick-and-pop big. He's a bit undersized, but because of his length uh, and his ability to rebound, uh, he can really help you. I thought he was a late first-round talent, but this early in the second round, he's a really good value. All right, Maurice, what did you take away from those Draymond college numbers. One thing that stands out to me is in the NCAA tournament in 2012, you joined Oscar Robinson and Magic Johnson as the third player in NCAA history to have two career triple doubles in this NCAA tournament. It just tells me again, versatile player, even at the college level. And that would equate to the pros. The number that really popped out to me is in that little draft soundbite that you had there. That he's the all-time leading rebounder at Michigan State. Let's think about that for example. Michigan State has been a long story uh, college program in basketball. Yet, a guy that's 6'6", able to lead the league, it, it, the, have the all-time rebounding record for the school, is beyond impressive. Yeah. Kind of what Lucas said, the, the rebounding. Because, like, I mean, Magic Johnson went there. There's some, like... I mean, he went there all four years, but even like guys like Mateen Cleaves and teams like that. But the the fact that he, I was looking, doing his accolades, I can't believe he slipped in the second round. Like, I get that he's undersized, but like the Big Ten, man, you've got Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana. There's yeah. some good schools. That's a good conference. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, so, I'm kind of shocked he slid in the second round. 
Draymond Green was surprised he slipped that much too. And in that interview with JJ Redick, he, they asked him like, who's the one guy you should have been like, there's no way this guy should want to be, be uh, ahead of me. And it, the guy's name is Andrew Nicholson. I don't know if you remember him. But I have no idea who that is. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. He was yes. he was drafted by the Magic in the mid-first round. He was from, say, Bonaventure. He lasted maybe two, three years in the NBA. Draymond was a four-year starter. In the early 2010s, getting drafted as a four-year college starter was usually not a good thing. And for him to still be projected as a first-round pick, went in the second round, pretty good. Well, The thing is, in another interview, Lucas, that I heard, Draymond went on record saying that there were several teams that promised him they were going to pick him if he was available. And this is from his interview. I had a promise from Indiana. He -hmm. said, I had a promise if I was still there and Memphis would take me, Miami would take me. All of these teams told me that if I was still there, they would take me. None of them did. So, yeah, I think that that tells you. Like he, which teams and, blew it on him. Yeah, and he might have been a victim of like, and it's weird, but he might have like staying four years. Mm, oh, like yeah, people kind of look down, ah, they're like, he's yeah. old. You see that in the draft. You're like, I don't know if that's, but I feel like, especially in 2012, because he had a lot of, I feel like if he even came out, maybe his junior year, he would have went higher. Imagine Draymond on the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> wow. It's time to talk about our other side of the comparison. We're going to talk about Beast, a.k.a. the Panda's Friend, a.k.a. Metal World Peace. But before he took on those names, he was born Ronald William Artest, November 13th, 1979, in Queensbridge, New York. As a child, Metal World Peace struggled with anger issues. His father told ESPN Magazine that a lot of his son's anger came about because of his family falling apart. Now, he eventually was sent to anger management therapy to see a counselor, and the counselor was the one that recommended that he have an outlet for his anger. So basketball was suggested. Ron Artest also had to deal with heavy emotion after he lost his little sister to sudden infant death syndrome in 1995. He started getting good at basketball at a young age while helping get his intense emotions out. He played AAU ball in an AAU tournament in Phoenix one time. He lost his temper on his own teammate and shoved him over a chair. So, Maurice, anything stand out to you about early childhood, meta world piece? Yeah, a lot of a lot of emotions. It will be interesting to see as he grew older into his NBA career, how he maintained that and and, and kind of subdued some of some of that intensity as he progress in the league it just goes to show you that um you might have anger issues but if you can find the proper outlet anybody can deal with them and i think uh maybe maybe looking back maybe football might have been a better way to do it but basketball is a, <laughs> a good sport too yeah. so i'm not going to complain he gave us some good uh some good career snaps shots of his life so that that was pretty good yeah it sounds like he worked, he acknowledged he had some struggles later on and like he uses, he's got a pretty good positive outlook on life. So it is a shame that it kind of caught up with him, but I kind of like his journey that he like had several chapters. So it's kind of, it's a good, it's a, it's like a good uh, journey to see like, oh, like you do get second chances. So yeah, great points. And dealing with anger and and losing your sibling at such a young age is, had to be emotionally traumatizing for him. And also growing up in Queensbridge, not the safest neighborhood. And I have a clip for that later that, that I'll play. But let's get into some of his, his numbers. So Meta World Peace graduated from LaSalle Academy High School, 1997. It's noted that young Ron Artest would elbow bigger players, and he would actually step on their feet just to scare them. Now, although I don't have any high school stats for Metal World Peace, do you guys want to hear about his college career? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. So he went on to play college at St. John's. He was coached by Fran Fraschilla, who also had a fiery personality. His coach told Meta how important he would be for the team's success, 
For St. John's, Artest at the time was as physical in college as he was in the NBA. He ended up averaging 13 points, a little over six rebounds, three assists, and almost two steals in blocks per game. The Red Storm went 50-19 and during his time there. He did make it to the NCAA tournament, 1997-98. St. John's lost to Detroit Mercy. The next season, before he went to the draft, he was able to help his team advance. They won their first three games before eventually losing to Ohio State. He had a double-double in the first round with 17-10 and versus Samford. After two years at St. John's, he decided to enter the NBA draft. Capone is like from Queensbridge. Yeah. I was there when Capone, um, he was uh, running across the street, shot the, shot the cop. Um, and then, uh, I don't know if he hit the cop. I was young, but I remember he shot. And uh, I seen him running. He's a lefty. He played basketball. He left that. I remember shoe went to the left. And uh, I was like, wow. Wait, so you were right <laughs> there night. when Capone shot at a cop? Um, I, 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 think he, um, I think he let one off. Did some time. Then he came back, and then he had the video with Nori. You know, when he came home and Nori had him on the plane and everything with the mink on, I forget what video that was. But, uh, yeah, I saw Pone had epic nights in the hood. (laughs) So, clearly, uh, I couldn't find his draft announcement, but I did find that clip to emphasize uh, how dangerous his neighborhood was. He mentioned some well-known hip-hop artists, Capone, Noriega. So that tells you his upbringing and what he had to deal with day in and day out. But let's let's go back to sports. Uh, anything about his St. John's experience? Ben, we'll go to you because I think you, you watched him during that era. Yeah, I was watching a lot of Big East basketball back then. And, and he, I think he was the best player in the Big East, like from, from what I saw in that era. It would have been like the 98 draft. Yeah, he played more of a guard role. I remember on that team, he played like a little bit of the point forward. He was a little bit more... Um, offensive minded so mm-hmm. when, when he kind of it's similar to Draymond when he kind of created this like defensive dog mentality in in the NBA it was interesting to kind of see that transition but I, I mean a lot of NBA players you know figure out what their role is in the league if you know college basketball then you've heard the name Fran Fischello before now he's known as an ESPN analyst but you know back in the day he was one of the best coaches and you're saying you know that was the heyday of the Big East was during that time right and you know that's just a testament you know he was just part of that history and I think that's really cool from that perspective yeah going back to what Ben was saying I think it was Ryan Artest and Richard Hamilton who were the best two players in the Big East at that time one thing that stands out to me is Draymond and Ryan Artest are very similar but Draymond went in the second round. Ryan Artest went 16th in the first. Right. Mm-hmm. He definitely was on the radar of the Bulls who picked him in that first round, like you said. So I'll just sum my aspect up on his background is I think Lucas alluded to it earlier. It's, you know, someone's journey going through trauma, finding an outlet, developing a passion, and eventually you know, he had this name change and, and a lot of other things that he's engaged with since retiring in the NBA. He's become a high school basketball coach for girls. So, so Meta World Peace is, is definitely has brought peace into his life in, in several ways. So did you guys know that his son plays in the G League? Did you guys know Yeah, that? he played for uh, Delaware a couple of years ago. I, I knew, I knew Lucas would know that. Why would I even ask? <laughs> I remember hearing about him. When he was in high school, he was pretty good, but I haven't heard about yeah, him since. Yeah, I don't think he's going to bust into the league, if I'm being honest. But good for him to get into the G League. That's still a pretty good feat. Still a good accomplishment. Yeah, yeah good, good, Maurice. Good. Uh, obviously, Rip Hamilton. I forgot about that. But yeah, Eric Barkley, I remember. I think Eric Barkley was a freshman, and he was a, they, they had like a really good backcourt. Oh. That, yeah, that was good. Yeah, you're right, because the UConn had Khalid El-Amin. Yeah, that was a good – Yeah. You're right. Yeah, the Big East was really good back then. Second quarter. Statistics. Here comes James. James drives down, bumps Iguodala, blocked by Green. Ball knocked loose out of bounds, and Cavs ball. Green, again, coming from the weak side, says to LeBron James, not on my watch. Outstanding effort. By the ultimate. Raymond Green defending. Against Russell Westbrook. Westbrook is the rejected. 
screen. Curry fires one off. This block right here, Draymond needs to be careful. He could get a technical as he's looking down at him, but don't Denver has not scored in the last five possessions. Jokic with 37 in the green. Green stole the ball! Green stole the ball! Hands up. Look at He that. had his high on the ball the whole time. So you just heard some of the highlights from Draymond Green's career. Let's get into the numbers now. So Draymond Green is listed at 6'6", 230 pounds. That being said, he's worn number 23 the whole time of his career. We're going to look at his best year, which was his first All-Star year, which was his fourth season. He averaged 14 points, 9.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks, 3 turnovers, 3 personal fouls, while shooting 49% from the field, 39% from the three-point line, and from the foul line, 69%. So, interesting fact. That was not the one season he has led the league in steals. He led the league in steals the following year, the 2016-17 season. But like I said, his career year was the 15-16 year, the first title that the Golden State Warriors won. Now going to his career highs. I'm going to give you guys an over-under on this one. Over-under, 20 assists as a career high. Over. And that offense, I'll say over. I'll say over too. All wrong. Oh my God. It was 19. Very close, though. Very close. He got that good or high 2020 21 season. But I understand where you guys got that from. He also had a career high scoring 31 points back in his third season. He's had a career high 20 rebounds. Mm. Monster. Yeah, they do move the ball a lot. Now I think about it, they move the ball a lot. And here's another over under for you guys, real quick. Over under. Nine and a half steals as a career high. Nine and a half steals? Oh, yeah. oh for one game. Yeah, for one game. Okay. Over. Ooh. Over. I think I yeah, I think he's gotten a triple double like in an unusual way. So I'm gonna say over. I wanna say under. That's so hard to do. Ben and Maurice are correct. It is oh. over at ten steals. He's also had six blocks and nine turnovers as career highs. So, just some interesting stats here. He's led the league once in steals, but he has a career average of 1.4 steals per game. His best assist year was actually in the 2021 season when he averaged 8.9. And outside of that one year, his first All-Star season, hasn't shot above 35% in any Mm. one year from the three-point line. Mm. So, what are your thoughts? I'll start with Uriah. Wow, the I think the his best season he averaged seven and a half assists, but you just said in another season he averaged almost nine assists. I think that's remarkable in and of itself. And for him to lead the league in steals when typically it's a guard or like a, a wing player, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh Draymond just does it all. He's such I don't know. I, I I think we take him for granted because he plays next to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. But mm-hmm. that dude, I think someone said it earlier, him and Metal World Peace are kind of like the glue for teams because of their defensive impact and some of the versatility that you guys mentioned. Sometimes playing the center, the five position. Yeah, undersized. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he's undersized, but he's got great length. He uses his length really well for not being the most athletic guy. The 39% from three that one season, I remember there was a couple seasons where he was hitting that those open threes that he would get from Clay and Steph, but I didn't realize it was that high. Wow. Yeah, so going back to the Reddick podcast, he was talking about how he's lost confidence in his three-point shot, but now he's trying to regain it. So maybe this season we'll see him get back hmm. to the mid-30s. Who knows? He's been on the upward trend in terms of three-point percentage for the past – uh, two years, so, and he reached thirty uh, percent this past year. So, who knows? Goes to going with the look that he had. Now Griffin deep into the clock. Gordon blocked away. Ron Art. Now Jerry, we saw them in the second quarter make up fourteen points in no time at all. So they're capable. Although it did have to be tougher to get uh, field goals, but to watch the nice timing block by Ron Artest with the offhand. Most shot blockers go to the offhand, and that case says. Ron- Second-year man out of Florida has 
checked in for the uh, first time. Dudley the, also on the floor and lost it. They've got the personnel now. Ron Artest, some of the quickest hands in the NBA. All kinds of mismatches. Davis gets his shot blocked by Artest. Falls out on Finley. Here goes Ginobili left. Block up, keeping Ginobili from going to his left. So those were just some Ron Artest highlights, but let's get into the numbers. So Ron Artest is listed at 6'7", 260 pounds. I think that's towards the end of his career, because I remember him being a little bit lighter, but he definitely bulked up towards the end. Ron Artest has played for a lot of teams, so I'm just going to go through all the numbers, because there's no rhyme or reason to most of these. (laughs) He started out with the Chicago Bulls, and from 2000 to 2002, he wore 15. Then he went to the Indiana Pacers, where he wore 15 from 2002 to 2026. Then with the Pacers again for one season in 2003 to 2004, he wore 23 for a brief time. Then in 2005, he wore 91 with the Pacers. So just everywhere with the Pacers. And we'll talk more about the Pacers because they got there's some interesting numbers there. In Sacramento Kings, he wore 93 from 2006 to 2010. With the Rockets, he wore 96 again in 2009. With the Lakers, he had two numbers. From 2010 to 2017, he wore 36. And then he, for two seasons, he wore 15 from 2011 to 2013. And he ended his career with the Knicks where he wore 51. So That's, that's a lot the, of numbers. I, that like, is a lot of like, numbers. I feel like we're playing the lottery right now. Mega it millions. does feel like just, the lottery. Just bet on bit. all the, the jersey numbers that Metal World Peace wore in right. his career. So, I went with Men of World Peace's lone all-star season. But technically, there's two seasons that he averaged more points. So the the, the all-star season was mm-hmm. the 2003-2004 season. His second full season with the Pacers, he averaged 18 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, and one block while shooting 42% re, uh, from the field, 31% from the three-point line, and 73% from the foul line. Now, can you tell me the two other, one of the two other teams that he had a higher scoring year with? Uh, Lakers and Bulls. No. I say Sacramento and Houston. Houston's one. He averaged, right. he averaged 20 points with Houston in 57 games, 20 right. and a half points. This is Not actually a trick question because. Before he got suspended for the Malice in the Palace in 2004-2005, he averaged 24.5 points per game. But it was a trick question. So that being said, uh, yeah, he averaged 24.5 points in the seven games with the Pacers prior to the suspension. So that that was pretty impressive to me. Now we're going to the career highs. Over under 40 points as a career high. Over. Over. Under. Ben, you are correct. 39 oh. as a career Ooh. high scoring. Then, for his other stats, total rebounds, 16. Assist, 11. Steals, 8. Blocks, 4. Turnovers, 8. You know, what I really would love to have been able to find, and I, I wish I could have, was be able to find the career technical fouls for both players. <laughs> that would have been an absolute steal, yeah. but I do not have that stat available. So, besides that, looking at his stats, just a couple of quick hitters here. He never led the league in anything, but he was a key piece of the Lakers' championship run. We know that. And, and honestly, the the shooting, you know, he did, he wasn't really known as a shooter until he got to L.A. So, well, actually Houston, then L.A., maybe last year in Sacramento. So, Anything in terms of those stats that you guys that stick out with you? I'm going to start with Maurice. I really do remember Draymond. I'm excuse me, not Draymond. I really do remember Ryan Artest as not being a great shooter, but 39 percent, and I would say his prime years with the Pacers is really good. I think the key word for this podcast is versatility because I think we've all said it already, and uh, it goes for both of them. So. Yeah, that that really does show his versatility that he can shoot. Even when he got to the Lakers and, you know, playing with Kobe, that was a year where I do remember that he shot really well. Draymond's only ever been on the Warriors, and his best statistical offensive numbers came before KD, so they required more from him. Mm -hmm. And 
with Ron Artest, a lot of the teams he was the second or third option, so he was he he kind of had to score uh, not as much with the Pacers. That was kind of more of like a, a very deep team, and Jermaine O'Neal was their primary offensive weapon. But it's a, it's a shame, like with uh, him being suspended all that time. That was technically his prime, so we I think we missed out on probably his like best statistical offensive era and just this is kind of tough comparing to like defensive juggernauts because like uh, you know we like to in basketball talk about offensive numbers so it is kind of weird you, they're not 14 points and 42 percent aren't like <laughs> aren't yeah. like shattering yeah. numbers yeah. but that's not what these guys are they're just like they're locker room guys they're uh, I, I mean, Ron Artest, man, he, I think for a minute there, he was the only guy that could guard Kobe, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he was. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's how good he was. And then he could guard his center. And so, but yeah, I think the the 21 points in Houston, I didn't remember that. So that, that's, that stood out to me the most, that, that number. So I think that the four blocks, I thought he would, not that he's a, some like amazing shot blocker or rim protector, but I would think that he would for his overall high over his career, like a a game high would be more than four blocks. The steals I'm not surprised by because as you heard in the clip, he had really good hands playing the passing lanes, but also being able to move his feet and stay in front of players like Kobe and some of the other best wing players and scorers in NBA history. But I think to show, you know, like Ben was talking about comparing Metal World Peace to Artest. Oh my God, did I just say that? Comparing yeah. Metal World Peace to Draymond Green, the versatility, the the grittiness of their style of play, and their willingness to put their their bodies on the line to do the things that Kobe didn't probably need to do, as well as like Steph Curry and Clay not having to dive after balls and things like that. So that stands out to me in, in with those numbers. Yeah, I just want to say one thing uh, regarding the blocks number. In my opinion, and I like I said, I saw Houston Ron Artest is where I really got introduced to him as a basketball fan. He never seemed like a vertical player. He always seemed more like a horizontal player, which would might explain the block numbers a little bit more. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Third quarter. Accolades. And the 2017 Kia NBA Defensive Player of the Year goes to Draymond Green. Uh, first off, um, thank you. Uh, it means a lot to get this award from you. Thank the NBA. Most importantly, though, I want to thank God. Um, I know none of this is possible. Um, my mom, my dad. My family, all coaches that I've had, you know, the, the entire organization, Golden State Warriors, I'm thankful for the opportunity to go out there and do what I love every day. Um, man, I think I was, I told myself like I was going to have these notes, and but I don't even want to look at them. I know I'm going to forget somebody, but my teammates, like this isn't a, this isn't an individual award. You know, it's five guys out there on the floor at a time, and like, I can't do this all by myself, so I appreciate them. You know, with KD and Clay not making an all-defensive team, I appreciate everything they do. So, once again, thank everybody. Uh, shout out to my, my daughter and my son. I love them. Thank y'all. All right, guys. That was Draymond Green accepting the Defensive Player of the Year award. All right, we're going to jump into some some accolades about Draymond. And I got to just start it off with, you guys already know this, just my favorite accolade, four-time NBA champion, 2015, 2017, 2018, and then 2022. All right, how many times was Draymond Green an all-star? Let's start off with you, Uriah. Three times. Two. Four. Lucas, you are the winner. Yeah. He's a four-time NBA All-Star, 2016 to 2018. Lucas is smirking right now for people. 2022. (laughs) He's just glimmering with pride. I have to do the stats research, so of course I'm going to find out All-Star questions. That's that's, that's, All right. It's easy. Four four seems to be Draymond's number uh, currently, 
And then Draymond was a two-time All-NBA selection, All-NBA second team in 2016. And then he was All-NBA third third team in 2017. As Uriah already uh, uh, played, he did win the Defensive Player of the Year in 2017. Controversial. People feel like he should have had more. All right. This is probably his most, I would say, accomplished accolades, his most impressive. But... How many All NBA defensive teams do you guys think he has been a part of? All defense. I'm gonna go eight. Okay, Lucas. I'm gonna say seven because I know he missed most of a year in like what was it, 2020, 2021, one of those two years. But I'm gonna say from 2015. Yeah, I'm gonna say seven. And Uriah. I like how Lucas calculates things in his head. He's like staring up at the ceiling like, oh, I'm going to go with Lucas because he seems to know everything about these players right now. So I'm going to say seven. Maurice, you are the winner. What? Yeah, and I think what, what shocked me, it, it, it makes sense because he still locks guys down. I was surprised he he's all NBA second team this past year, mm. past two years. I thought... But he missed been one, some- didn't he? He, uh, yeah, he, 2020, he missed one. So That's he's, what I was he's thinking. been, he would have had a nine year straight, which could be really impressive. Nine year straight, all NBA defensive team. But in 2020, what Lucas said, because of injuries. Um, and I think that that was the year they were tanking for the top pick, right? Oh, he got, hold up. He got all defensive team 2014, 15? No, 2015 to 2023. He was an All NBA either first team or second team, eight out of nine years. So it's you're saying impressive. this guy who, so starting his third season was an All Defensive Player, starting his third season. Yeah, and first team, like mm-hmm. right away, first team. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it was his. It was his third year. No, the, his the, third, the, yeah. The, the, the I'm looking it up on NBA uh, Basketball Reference right now. His first one was the 14-15 season, and it was first team. Yeah, that was his third third, third year third, in the league. Third year, yep. That's- yeah, and you're, he would have had nine straight, I, I do believe mm-hmm. that, had Golden State, you know, that, that year everyone was hurt after KD mm-hmm. left. There was a lot of rest, so mm-hmm. it's pretty impressive given like yep. – and just like the positions he's playing, like you see him, it's like who is he not guarding? He He's guarding like – Everyone. I mean, he locks down Giannis and Bede. He gives Jokic a little bit of trouble. He, he locks down guards. So, just his ability to guard every position is is unbelievable. There's one more. It's it's not that exciting. What do you guys think it is? There's one more stat that he was a leader of. What do you think it is? I'll start with you, Lucas. Well, it, it was steals in the NBA, right? 2015-16 is the guy said that already, right? It was 2017, but that that's it. So again, he's a much more decorated, as Uriah said, college player offensively. For me, it's all the defense, and it's the four-time NBA champion, which is just like, I mean, how many guys can say that? But that's it. That's that's his accolades. What what stands out to you, Maurice? What stands out to me is. When I think of the Golden State Warriors, I can't imagine them being a four-time champions without Draymond Green. He's been very pivotal to that team. I don't think they won a championship with just Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Agreed. I think he's mm-hmm. he, he's that important to that team, and he does so many different things. So when I'm thinking about it, and Maurice put a thought into my head, the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green would not have had the the eight year nine year run that they've had without each other, because I think it's fair to say without the three point shooting, it's hard to say where Draymond Green would be in his career, and without his playmaking and defensive versatility, it's hard to say how many championships Golden State would have actually won. I'm not saying that Draymond Green wouldn't have been a great player because I think he he is, and I think he would have been okay in any situation. But I think he probably would have bounced around a few teams more like Meta World Peace and maybe not have had the, you know, playoff success that he did without the Golden State Warriors and vice versa. Yeah, I like that. And and the and you brought it up, Lucas, the the 
he is one of the it's not in these accolades but he is one of the best passing bigs so and before Uriah goes Draymond was a beneficiary of being in a great franchise and a great organization as well I think he's essential like you guys were saying to the success of the Warriors you take him out it's really improbable that they make the runs that they did because he's such a selfless player willing to not be the focal point of an offensive system. He didn't have to, but he could have been like other players in history and said, you know, I need my touches. I need my shots, but he's never been that type of player, not the flashiest player. He just gets the job done. And I think the accolade that stands out to me is the number of all NBA teams, Ben, that you said that he was. And that just tells you that his worth or his value goes beyond points. And I think for him to make it to those teams without being an 18, 19, 20 point scorer speaks to his influence on the team and in the league. Yeah. And one other thing um, before we transition to the other player, a stat that came on after, cause Dame got traded, right? Um, spoiler alert. If anyone's listening, he got traded and the three players who are have been with the same team the longest, are all in the Golden State Warriors. 15 years for Steph, uh, 12, I believe, for Clay, and 11 for Draymond. Top thing about that. I mean, that is... Consistency. That's it right there. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody in my hood. Thank the Worldwide Warriors, Mark Fowl, my, my wife, Tim Shell, my family, my kids, everybody. I definitely want to thank my doctor, Dr. Sandy, my, um, my psychiatrist. She really helped me relax a lot. Thank you so much. It's so difficult to play. All this stuff. There's so much commotion going on in the playoffs. And she helped me relax. I thank you so much. Ron, you were able I'm to hit down that three. Yes, that like was a me. huge shot your late thank three. You. Yes, no question. Oh. Ron, again. And my single coming out, not talking to me. I got a single, it's called Champion. I did a song called Champion last June. I'm going to let him go, guys. And the single is coming out. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Oh. All right. That's a great That's original. Clip. He thanked his psychiatrist. Never heard that one. Yeah, so I, I never heard that. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow. So Ron Artest has similar accolades to Draymond. Very similar player. This is a really good comparison. He was the the clip we just heard was after he won the won the championship in 2010. He won. He was an NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers with Kobe Bryant. And how many All Star games has Ron Artest been a part of? I'm going to start with you, Lucas. One. All right, and Uriah. Well, I'm going to wait for Maurice because Maurice was right last time. So go ahead, Maurice. All right, Maurice. I think Lucas knows the answer. Luke, Lucas has a cheat sheet, so I'm gonna go with Lucas. Say one. All right, yep. I'll go with. I guess I'll go with Maurice. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? All right. So everyone, everyone is correct. He is only a. I shouldn't say only. He is a one-time NBA All Star in 2004. What else did he accomplish in 2003-2004 season with the Pacers? I'm gonna start with Uriah. With the Pacers, I'd say he, man, he was the steals leader. I don't know. I'm just a guess right there. Uh, six man. He got all defensive team and all NBA. So in 2004, Lucas is right. Everyone is kind of right. Well, you're right. He was not the steals leader that year, unfortunately. He's actually never been the steals leader. In 2004, which is, it's kind of a bummer because you kind of, this guy, again, I think we missed a couple years of this guy's prime. Yeah. 2004, he was an NBA All-Star, All-NBA third team, Mm -hmm. NBA defensive player of the year. Uh, I forgot about that one. And he was All-NBA defensive first team. The following season, I think I think that team won over sixty games. If I if I'm correct, I know they were the one seed, and they were right there with with the Pistons. And I feel like he that he would have more accolades, in my opinion, given that that was literally the year before Malice in the Palace. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about this in our Reggie Miller comparison. I think it's safe to say Ron Artest would have been an All Star the 0405 season if he wasn't suspended. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, and he also might have been a two-time defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. Mind you, this is when Ben Wallace was repeated defensive player of the year, too. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. Lucas, you were going to say something? No, I was just going to agree. I mean, he was started out the season strong with 24 and a half points per game. Yeah, that was a good team, too. And and then he actually came back and and got still got all NBA defensive team two years later in, in 2006. Let me ask you guys this real quick. If Malice and Palace did not happen, would the Pacers have beaten the Spurs in the NBA Finals? Yes. Yeah, I think they would have. I think that core, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about Draymond, right? He got to stay with this core. And we know like that that matters. Like the Bulls, like uh-huh. you have to keep a consistency. And and I think that team finally found it. And they didn't get to it – got, it got broken up. Reggie retired. Like, I mean, it was a disaster. Okay. So he is a four-time All-NBA defensive team, two first team, 0-4-0-6, two-time, second team, 0-3-0-9. And he was the NBA All-Rookie second team in 2000 with Chicago. And that's about it. What stands out to you, Uriah, with that? I think that the whole argument about that season, Miles at the Palace, the accolades he could have added to his resume, I think that's legit. As far as our test for defensive player of the year, which is a huge deal, going through everything he went through and dealing with whatever demons and, and you know, he could have really went left when because of all the things he was dealing with internally, emotionally, but he was able to channel his focus with his teams, particularly, I think, being with Reggie Miller. I think at that point of his life kind of helped focus him. And then later playing with Kobe definitely helped streamline his attention toward a goal. But I just want to put this out there. Do you guys know who he beat out that season for defensive player of the year? Not one is obvious, but I'll be impressed if you know both. Ben Wallace. Ben is one. Who's the other? Kobe. Not Kobe. Kevin Garnett. No, but it is a big man. Maurice, last chance. Matumbo. Close. Theo Ratliff. Theo Wow. He was okay. third that season uh, for Defensive Player of the Year. Congrats. And uh-huh. last thing I want to say is it's ironic that Ron Artest won the award the same day that he was suspended for leaving the bench during an altercation versus the Celtics in the playoffs. So getting announced he's Defensive Player of the Year that, that season, he was suspended that day. So there's some irony in that. I, I, I'm that I'm still tripped up on that clip, Uriah. That was just like it was a really good clip. All right, uh, Maurice, what what stands out to you of these accolades? Well, going back to what you're saying about the clip, I love the growth there. The shout out his therapist on as he's winning the championship, just become a world champion. You shout yeah. out your therapist. I love that growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that says a lot to me. Lucas, what uh, what stands out to you? That I think that he should have probably had a few more all defensive player nominations, but I think Malice in the Palace really soured, uh, you know, his name to voters. Yeah, for the rest of his career, that put a black stain on him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that that O four season really stands out to me. Just the, I mean, I keep saying it, but the amount, the potential there. I feel like we, he could have had a few more years like that. Fourth quarter, teammates. Draymond is the, one of the greatest assist men in sports because he does that thing where he flips it to you yeah. and he throws his body immediately into your defender. That's and people don't know how underrated that is, you know, because mm-hmm. me and Steph rely on him and our bigs to get open a lot. So you got to be in tune. The offense rerun is like a working clock, and you got so many components that are just doing this. And so, Draymond's a big part of that. So uh, talk about Draymond Green right now. Mm-hmm. If, Right now, the way you guys play, you know, a lot of, a lot of your shots and Steph, you know, come yeah, from, you know, the play, yeah. Drummond. Mm-hmm. With our Drummond, you think, like, you I don't guys... think me and Steph would have the um, success we did because... Me oh, and Steph really? Su- no, me and Steph wow. are such nice guys Yeah, that we might not have that, in, whether it's intimidating factor or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Draymond, when he came and coach put him in the starting lineup... He's got such an edge to him. He might not be the most skilled player out there, but he will do anything and everything he can to win the game. All right. Let's talk about Draymond Green and his teammates. Drafted in the 2012 NBA draft. Draymond's played with one team, one team only, as we know. His best two teammates, 
are Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, obviously. Really? <laughs> obviously. I, was, I, was, I was actually going to disagree. Uh, I thought it was, I thought Kevon, it was Patrol, Kevon yeah. Looney and uh, Harrison was Barnes. Gary Payton. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, Gary Payton, the second. Zaza. Yeah. And I do this every time with the um, most wins, but I think it's obvious that Steph Curry's had the most wins with Draymond with 560, and Clay is right behind him with 530. This is a world-class caliber organization, and these guys have been together for 11, 9, 10 years together. So they have all the chemistry, four championships, but I have to ask the question. So this is the question I'm going to ask you guys. What win percentage does Steph and Clay have with Draymond Green? Because they're right next to each other. So I'm going to put the over-under at 72. I go under. Over. With both of them together? Yeah. Over. The answer is Uriah. Uh, under. Ooh. I know that was a trick one. It's probably really close to that percent, right? Both Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Well, Steph Curry's case, he has a 71.3 win percentage with Draymond. And with Clay, a 71.2% win percentage. Mm. Now, that's. You playing together for 10 years, you have a 71% win percentage. That's pretty darn good. Some of Draymond's teammates, Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Looney, Zaza Pachulia, David Lee, Andre Iguodala, yep. DeMarcus Cousins. Yep. Mm, let me throw let me throw some names out there that you, you haven't heard of in a while. Sean Livingston. Yeah. That's Lucas's guy. <laughs> Kent, Kent, Kent Bazemore. I remember him. Wow, I forgot that guy. Um, let me see what that guy. Had. Yeah, he was like over. He was on that Atlanta team, and he. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good player. He was a good player. Eric Pascal, Nick Young, and Andrew Wiggins, and of course, so, last but not least, Kevin Durant. Now. This is a this is I think this is a pretty obvious easy question for I'm gonna throw it out to you guys. How many championships without Draymond Green do you think the Golden State Warriors win, if any? Zero. Uh, I would say one. I'll tell you why they they really they swept some of those Cavs teams. They they dominated some of those Cavs teams. So I would say at least one. I see. I think I think they they win at least. They they could win one without. Okay, so let me Draymond. let me throw the curveball at you guys. With Kevin Durant, <laughs> I don't think we 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 included him. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Exactly. Do they oh, win yeah. a championship? Oh yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, yeah. D- just because yeah. that there was there was yeah, one of the that. wasn't Kyrie hurt one of those finals like the, yeah. that that yeah the Cavs, that that yeah wasn't LeBron that, was carrying those yeah. guys yeah. yeah. So hang on, I got. I thought of a little mystery question for you, Maurice. Mm-hmm. Can you name the teammate that is currently on the Golden State Warriors that Draymond Green had beef with a few years ago? Well, it's not Jordan Poole. He's not there anymore. No, I mean currently on the roster. Currently on the roster. It was a big to-do about it, too. Happened within on the, the past. 2020, 2023 Dario Saric? Nope. <laughs> I'm stumped. Tell me. Rodney Magruder. Oh, that's an obscure name. Okay. Mm, that is very obscure. Well, no, Rodney, <laughs> him and Rodney got into it when Rodney was a part of the Pistons, and Draymond Green said, this guy's about to be out of the league. And lo mm-hmm. and behold, he gets on the Warriors uh, training camp roster. thought that was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. I just want to say, as far as teammates, clearly Steph Curry and Clay Thompson – are the beneficiaries and Clay Thompson said it himself that Draymond did a lot of the little things that, that helped get them open on jump shots or three point shots. As far as, you know, we're not even going to touch on the incident, but I think overall you, you hear people praise Draymond as a great teammate and not only as a production aspect with assists, steals and blocks, but also just the leadership aspect, being vocal and being that guy, that glue guy that can get guys on the same page. And I think that's something that gets overlooked. I think teammates will attest to that in terms of what he brought to that championship team. Yeah, and real quick, 
as we're recording this going into the, the new season of 2023, Chris Paul is on the team now. So that's another leader that's been around that's looking for their first his first championship. Yeah, I would say um with the teammates, it's just the fit, man. Like the fit is just they're the perfect teammates. I mean, you've got two of the best shooters of all time, one of the best passing bigs, screeners. His screening is unbelievable. Like he just can screen anyone. He's probably he might be the best screener in the league. Just to have that, like what a privilege for, you know, Clay and Steph to have that their whole career. So or most of their career. So um yeah, just the fit. And you kind of saw it in the twenty twenty two run, once they were all back, just like, oh wow, these guys are just like it's like the nineties Bulls, in my opinion. Just the fit was just perfect teammates. Mm-hmm. Players bounce off of him. Talk about how that's going to increase your confidence when you're out of the game and you're able to send in someone who's similar to your mentality. Well, you know, my confidence was always high. You know, even with Trevor last year, you know, we did yeah. a lot of that tag team right. ourselves. I think, uh, you know, the added feature that Ron has is you know, 265. Yes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. his weight and him being able to guard some fours as well. And, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he has the same mentality that I have in terms of defensively getting after guys. And it's, uh, it's going to be exciting to try to tag team some of these players. Okay. Well, let's talk about Metal World Peace. At that time, Ron Artest, Metal World Peace was drafted in the 1999 NBA draft by the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Chicago Bulls weren't really a competitive team, but they did have some good players on their roster as well. Elton Brand, Tony Kukoc was still there. Hershey Hawkins, B.J. Armstrong was still there. I guess he returned at that point. Greg Anthony, some guys who were drafted high but didn't really turn out to be anything like Marcus Pfizer, Khalid, uh, I mean... We talked about him earlier. He was on that Bulls team in 2000-2001. And Jamal Crawford. Now, Metal World Peace was traded to the Indiana Pacers. And we can we can just move on to them because that was the um, more sort of prime of Ron Artest's career at that point. And the Pacers were a really competitive team, 61 team. So they had some really good players on their team. Jermaine O'Neal, Reggie Miller, Jamal Tinsley, Al Harrington, Stephen Jackson, Scott Pollard, and Danny Granger at the end in the 0506 season. Uh, I think we talked about the Pacers earlier and what they could have done, but I'll go around the room one more time and ask you guys, what do you guys remember about some of them teammates that I've talked about so far, the Bulls and um, Pacers? I'll lead it off. I, I, you know, I forgot he had Elton Brand because Elton Brand was the number one pick. Mm-hmm. So that was the year two. And so, and then I think Pfizer was in 2000 and he was a yeah. high draft. I think he was a third or fourth pick. And so they had all these like, yeah, I'm a little, a little surprised that didn't, because, because like I said, in the accolades, our test was actually all rookie team. So he showed promise right away. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't kind of like work that out. Thinking about mm-hmm. that early, th- th- that's what stood out to me with the teammates was that his early in his career, the Bulls didn't invest in him more. Based off of what I know, Chicago was dumpster fire. I think that's the, after Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, yeah. Krause just could not keep that team together and or or reorganize it. I think that's why that didn't work there. Look with Indiana, that was a really good team, and it could have been a good team for a very long time, but. Issues happen because you know you could have had Reggie Miller until Danny Granger was ready, and then Danny Grant, Prime Great Danny Granger was golden. That could have been a really good team for a really long time, but Malice of the Palace happens, so we have to move on from that. It was Jamal Crawford. I think he was on that team too. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, he did mention. Yeah, that. Lucas, great, great call, man. With the like the post Jordan Bulls, it was just tragedy. You're completely right. They didn't know what they had or didn't. Yeah. The fact that Maurice mentioned B.J. Armstrong and Hersey Hawkins, those are names blast from the past. But I, I have nothing to add about Pacers because that that roster was stacked, and I think Artest was such an important part of that team. And Reggie Miller says it all the time about Artest, how, how good he was and important to that team. Yeah. And moving on a little bit, Ron Artest also played with the Sacramento Kings 
Um, this was 05. So this was a little after their their run as contenders in the West. Just a real quick, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Mike Bibby, Kevin Martin, just to name a few from the Kings. And moving on to the Houston Rockets. This is the end of Yao Ming's run. Mm-hmm. Injury started to catch up with him in 08, 09. Um, Shane Battier, Rayford Austin, Tracy McGrady, and Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, look, that was the run- end of the run for both Tracy and Yao because they were both injuries were starting to catch up with the both of them. And I remember the playoff series they had against Portland and Mutombo breaking his ankle, which effectively ended his career because he was like, what, 42 at the time? He was old, yeah. He was old. He was still a really good backup center. That's crazy. I feel like the Rockets, I forget, I always forget about that team because the West wasn't that deep back then. I mean, the, the, the league just wasn't that top heavy back then because the Spurs were kind of just running through everyone during that era. And like, it was either I Spurs love the Spurs. Or the yeah. Yeah. I love the Spurs, but like, if you look at teams like today, I don't think they would have won that many chips. I um, think that team was lost potential because if they would have had a healthy Yao and how healthy McGrady with the yeah. rest of that supporting cast, that would have been a really hard yeah. team to beat in the yeah. playoffs. Moving on to another world piece of championship season with the Lakers. Obviously, Kobe Bryant was the star there. And together with him and Ryan Artest, in the short span that they played together, they had 203 wins together, which is the most Ryan Artest has had with one other person. And on that team, they had Powell Gasol, Derek Fisher, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom. Dwight, Steve, right? No, uh, Dwight came after. Yeah, Dwight came in 2012, the 2012-2013 season. Okay, my bad. Yeah. And um, Lamar Odom, I mentioned Lamar Odom, mentioned Andrew Bynum, and Steve Nash came towards the end of his career also. Steve Nash and, and Dwight Howard came the same season, 2012, okay, 2013. Gotcha. So last year that he was in L.A. Yeah. That was when the Lakers started to, you know, bring yeah. in all the superstar players to help Kobe, and it didn't work out. No, it did not. No, it didn't. Fit, fit. You can't just have a bunch of, yeah. Uh, Maurice, it's funny. There's, I don't know if you guys see this a lot, but Kobe fans will always post like this team won a chip and it's the guys you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's so many all-stars defensive player of the years in that. And it's just like Pal Gasol, Lamar Odom, Artes, Andrew Bynum in his prime. And it's just weird that people underrate the talent on that team. Mm-hmm. And just the, again, we were talking about fit the, yeah. And, and going back to, you know, that, Uriah's that clip, man. I mean, it says it all. I'm really happy that he got a second chance or a third chance. And just, yeah, he, it, like I said, he's, he has like the, a really good message, you know, about overcoming adversity and just getting second chances and, and talking about that. I think that that's human. That's, it's really good to see. The reason why I love these comparisons is we, I think Maurice, you flesh out some key distinctions in these great players and one of the things, the theme that I hear, I think Ben mentioned it earlier, is continuity. Seeing Draymond play with the same team for his entire career. And then Lucas comes with the lottery numbers of all the jerseys that Metal World Peace wore. Well, I think it's fair to say that had he had some continuity, particularly with either the Lakers or the uh, Pacers, he would have had as many accolades and as many championships. Both great players, but... That stop in Sacramento and Houston was, I don't want to say a waste of his career, but I think he's just as good as Draymond because of the impact that he had. And obviously the teammates matter too. Yeah. And just to wrap up, just to finish this up, uh, Metal World Peace went back home to New York. He played played a season 2013-2014 with the Knicks, Carmelo, Amon Shumpert, Raymond Felton, Andre Bargnani, and J.R. Smith. ended his career back with the Lakers in the 2017 season. So can I, I want to say something real quick about the importance of Ron going to LA because I think with the type of personality that Kobe Bryant is, Kobe Bryant saved Ron Artest's career because I think in his legacy, because I think Kobe would be a quote unquote Ron whisperer. Like he got Mm. him. Yeah. He got him and he let him be him. 
And if you want to make another comparison here, Ron is the is the the Dennis Rodman of that group. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a oh, yeah. We're going to yeah. get Robin someday. Yeah. We'll get I know, to I know, I know. I'm yeah. just saying. That's, I'm just a, good, saying, that's yeah. a good one, though. I want to tie that in together because it's kind of like the MJ-Rodman relationship kind of mirrors the Kobe-Ron Artest relationship, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we've set up the debate with all the facts on Draymond Green and Meta World Peace, it's time for you to make your case. At this point, it's not about our opinion. It's about yours. We'll see you on your favorite social media platform. Ready to check out your takes. Chime in on our Instagram at NBA underscore now and then underscore pod. On Twitter at NBA underscore now and then. And on our Facebook page, NBA now and then. All right, everybody. Thanks for checking in with us. We'll see you next time on NBA now and then. The greatest comparisons. Have a good day. See ya. See ya.